name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Um, first, I want to thanks, uh, give thanks to all the fathers for um, inviting me, and also thank you to Amba Gabriel for allowing me to come and visit you. Um, it, it is overwhelming. Um, you know, I, I don't think I've ever given a Nahda sermon in all my years, so uh, bear with me. Um, Abuna Mark asked me to speak about uh, the family. I think that's the topic that um, most of the sermons um, were about. So God willing, today I want to discuss with you the concept of love in the Christian family. Love in the Christian family. First, what is the Christian family? How can we differentiate the Christian family from any other family? Um, by the way, most of the quotes I'm going to mentioned today um, are from this book on marriage and family life and I'm gonna say this is you know it's not really optional this this should be required reading for all the engaged couples and the married couples um, this will help you understand how it is to live a Christian life in the family St. John Chrysostom says the Christian family is a small icon of the Trinity small icon of the Trinity, meaning that the husband, the wife, and the children resemble the three hypostases of the Holy Trinity. And just like the three are one, so also the family is one. And just like the Holy Trinity works as one unit, the family also works as one unit. St. John Chrysostom says, there is no relationship between human beings so close as to that of the husband and wife if they are united as they ought to be, as they ought to be. So what binds this family as one unit? The answer is love. In Colossians 3.14, St. Paul says, but above all things put on love, which is the bond of perfection. It's the same love that exists between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Trinity, and the Holy Spirit, sorry. In John 17, 26, our Lord Jesus Christ himself says, And I have declared to them your name and will declare it, that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. Sorry, I'm going to read it again. I apologize. And I have declared to them your name and will declare it, that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. In the same chapter, in, in Gospel of St. John, chapter 17, he also says, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us. Love is what binds the family to each other and also binds them to God. St. John Chrysostom says, the love of the husband and wife is the force that welds society together, meaning it's what makes the world run. The love between the husband and the wife, it's what makes the whole world run. Just imagine these two individuals who are completely different from each other. Any husband and wife, they're completely different in their upbringing, in their social status, in their backgrounds, their education, even financially different. Then you bring those two individuals together and you put them in one house and you ask them to live together, have one budget, make decisions together, raise their kids together, have one goal. How can they accomplish this 
How can they work together if they don't have this godly love in their hearts? If you look at what God said when he created Adam in Genesis 2, 18, and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. What does this mean when God said, I will, it is not good that man should be alone? It means that God created Adam with the need for somebody else. Man was created not to be alone, but to have someone who completes him, to have someone that supports him. Problems start to happen in the family when we lose this love. And if we said love is what binds the family together, if you, lose, if you remove the love or if you lose the love, you also lose the unity. You also lose the oneness in the family. St. John Chrysostom says again, when harmony prevails, the children are raised well, the household is kept in order, and friends and relatives praise the result. And we see it. When the husband and wife are godly couple, their kids are also godly. And we see that fruit. We see the children of the godly family. It is a fruit of their parents. This love and this unity comes from growing together as a family and not independently. And you see this unfortunately now a days very, very often. Dad is watching TV. Mom is on Facebook or vice versa. The kids, what are they doing? Playing video games, Snapchat, TikTok. Each person is doing their own thing individually. How does a family grow together? By reading the Bible, by praying together, going to church together. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 21, St. Paul says, in whom the whole structure, the whole structure is a family, being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. This is why growing up, I always heard Abuna Mark always tell us that the Christian home is what? Is a church, a holy temple to the Lord. When we discuss the word love, there are actually three types of love. And we know these by the Greek terms or the Greek words. And each one has a different meaning or a different uh, definition of what that is. Those three are eros, philia, and agape. Eros, philia, and agape. The first type of love is the physical love, eros. This might be the first step in our relationship with our husband and wife. We call it physical attraction. We are attracted to them by their appearance. This is where the husband and wife are attracted to each other. This type of love is usually characterized by selfishness and also demanding, taking only without giving. There's two examples in the Old Testament. There's more, but I'm going to mention two examples. One is the story of Samson and how he chose his first wife, the woman from Timnah. And this is in Judges chapter 14. The Bible says that she, this woman, was one of the daughters of the Philistines, meaning that she was not Jewish. When Samson's father tried to persuade him, no, Habibi, don't, you know, don't go for her, what does Samson say in Judges? 14.3, get her for me, for she pleases me well. Meaning what? She pleases his eyes. And we later find out what happened with him. 
Another example of this type of love is the story of Amnun and Tamar. This is even a more extreme example. Tamar and Amnun were half brother and sister. Same father, David, different mother. In 2 Samuel chapter 13, Amnun says, I love Tamar, my brother's Absalom's sister. And he was talking to one of his friends. And if you read that chapter, that friend is the one that told him, and this, he was an evil friend. He told him how to trick Tamar. What kind of love do you think this was? When he says, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. What kind of love this was? This was more lust than love. When I actually looked up the word, so the Old Testament, the background is Hebrew, so you can look up the Hebrew text. The New Testament is Greek, and I'm going to show you in the Greek text in the New Testament. So when you look up that word love, the Hebrew means to lust after sexually. That's exactly what the Hebrew definition was. What was the result? What happened? Amnun forced himself on Tamar. What happened afterwards? Listen to this in 2 Samuel 13 and 15. Then Amnun hated her exceedingly, so that the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love with which he had loved her. And Amnun said to her, Arise and go. He kicked her out. Any relationship built on this type of love will not last. St. John Chrysostom has a pretty strong um, quote here. And pay attention, both females and males. The beauty of the body, if it is not joint with the virtue of the soul, will be able to hold a husband for 20 or 30 days, but will go no further. Can you imagine St. John Chrysostom is saying that the beauty, if that's the only thing I'm going to go after, will hold me for 20 or 30 days. And no wonder that we as clergy see problems happen. When? When the couples come back from the honeymoon. The second type of love is emotional love or philia. This is a slightly higher level than the physical love or eros. This love is based on emotions and feelings. Unfortunately, our feelings and our emotions, they change over time. So this type of love also changes over time. And if we said that the physical love is selfish, taking only, this emotional love is actually mutual and reciprocal. So both exchange it. But it has two drawbacks. It is conditional and it is temporary. Conditional because if you love me, I will love you back. If you don't love me, I'm not going to love you back. Temporary because there are certain people whom we love or we used to love that we don't love anymore. We don't even remember. How many of you remember your best friend in first and second grade? What their name was? Maybe a few. We used to love them, but now it faded away. The third type of love is the sacrificial or the spiritual love. And this is agape. This is the highest form of love. Love that seeks to do good for others and without ever wanting anything in return. The perfect image of this love is our Lord Jesus Christ's love to His bride, the church, us. When we discuss the, this topic of love in the family, our role model is our Lord Jesus Christ and the church. This is why in the crowning ceremony, in the, in the matrimony, we read this every single 
time we get people get married. St. Paul in Ephesians 5.25, he says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Which type of love do you think St. Paul is talking about here? Remember I told you about the Greek text? When you look up the Greek text for love, you'll see that the word used was agape. This is the love that should exist in the Christian family between the husband, the wife, and the children. If we examine how our Lord Jesus Christ loved the church, we can see how we can apply this in our relationship with our family. And if we look at how much our Lord Jesus Christ loved the church, we will see that there are actually many traits or characteristics of His love toward us. I'm going to mention a, a bunch of characteristics. But when I do, I want you to pay attention that these characteristics should be applied to yourself, not to the other members of your family. Meaning, don't point to your husband or to your wife and to your children and say that they don't love me this way. Only examine yourself. Only judge yourself to see if you offer this type of love. The first characteristic of Christ's love for the church is He is the one who initiated His love for us. He's the one that started it. In 1 John 4.19, St. John says, We love Him because He loved us first. We love Him because He first loved us. Most of the problems in the family stems from the fact that each person is waiting for the other person to show them love. If we take Christ as our role model, we should offer love to each other without ever wanting anything in return. The second characteristic of Christ's love is that He loved us even though we were sinners. We are sinners. In Romans 5 and chapter, in verse 8, St. Paul says, But God demonstrates His own love towards us, that while we are still sinners, God or Christ died for us. While we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Sometimes people say, how can I love her? How can I love him when they're always doing such and such to me? Other people might say, maybe if he or she changes the way they treat me, I'll, I'll be able to love them. Christ did not demand that we become saints in order for him to love us. This is what we call unconditional love. Unconditional love. The third characteristics of Christ's love is that it was often met with rejection. He loved us, but we rejected Him. In John chapter 1, verse 11, it says, He came to His own, and His own did not receive Him. And also in Matthew 23, 37, our Lord Jesus Christ says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together, as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you are not willing. But you are not willing to accept the Lord. Our Lord did not just give up. He didn't, he didn't say, oh well, they don't accept me. But He actually died for our sakes, we who are sinners. He died for those who rejected Him. This means that even if you do acts of love toward your partner, your spouse, your children, and you don't receive anything back, Continue to do those acts of love. Don't give up. Continue offering love. Why? Imitating our Lord Jesus Christ. 
The fourth characteristic of Christ's love for the church is that His love was practical and based on our needs. God saw that we were under the bondage of sin. We were under Satan's control. So He sent His only begotten Son to die for us, to free us from this bondage. Some people offer love in the way that they want to receive it, but not based on the need of the person in front of them. For example, a, a husband might buy a nice expensive purse or jewelry to his wife to show his love for her but sometimes the wife just wants what quality time with her husband to spend some alone time with her husband same with parents and their children a lot of times we as parents we give a lot of things to our children hoping that you know they would love us back because that's how I want to show my love is I buy things but again the kids don't want that the kids want to spend time with mom and dad the kids truly want to spend time with mom and dad. The fifth characteristic of Christ's love is he offered his love with humility and self-denial. In Philippians 2.7, St. Paul says, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Our Lord Jesus Christ left his throne in heaven and came down on earth, was born in the manger, lived his whole life in a very, very simple and humble way. Why? Why did he do all this? Because he loved us. Many times our pride gets in the way of our love. Think how many times that an argument could have resolved or ended by what? By saying, I'm sorry. What happened? Our pride gets in the way and we don't say those words and the arguments continue, continue, and continue. The sixth characteristics of Christ's love is that it was limitless, limitless, without limit. In John 13, 1, it says, When Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. What does this mean, he loved them to the end? Meaning that Christ did not put a cap or a limit on his love for us. He sacrificed everything, even his own life. Some people in the relationship with their spouse, they're going to sacrifice, but up to a certain point. I'll do this and this, but don't ask me to do this. This is not the meaning of true love. This is not the measure of true love. What is the measure? What is the measure of true love? The answer is in John chapter 15 and verse 13. Our Lord Jesus Christ says, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. The last characteristic, number seven, of Christ's love for the church is it is endless. His love for us does not change over time. Many times we hear that the love between the husband and the, and the wife and the children faded away over time. It starts out like a fire and it kind of starts to die down. True Christian love should be endless and not change over the years. These seven characteristics that we talked about describe the perfect love, which is the love of Christ. Since we say that God is love, no one will ever say that he or she has actually attained this perfect love. Why? Because God is endless and so also is His love for us. But we have to continue to grow in this love day to day, every day, to continue to grow in the love for Christ and to continue to grow in the love for each other.
May God give us the power to grow in this love with each other and within our families. And glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.